This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, we. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am sick and I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump and some of us slump. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. Hello, sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, apologies in advance for uh, my voice. It's not the greatest right now. It could fail me if we take too long but the show must go on we got to put out some content well we were going to record last weekend but tell them why we couldn't uh i couldn't record last weekend what (laughs) i forget (laughs) ask your wife (laughs) (laughs) was it not your wedding anniversary last week (laughs) (laughs) well it was on monday not last weekend that's what I said. We were going to record last week. You said last weekend. That's I didn't what I say weekend. Anyways. <laughs> we were going to record last... what, are you, what are you implying, Brett? We are going to record on Monday, Memorial Day, and Eric uh, texted me about 5 o'clock the night before. Just realized it's my wedding anniversary tomorrow, and I can't <laughs> record. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought about it a few days ahead of that uh or before that. And I thought, you know, it'll be fine. I'll still record. And then like the whole weekend, I was like busy doing other stuff and working. And I was like, well, I haven't really been present for like a couple of days. I might as well make myself available the entire day of the anniversary. But uh, a good thing that happened because I made another trip to Cedar Cliff Collectibles. I had to go renew my license. So I had to do that in Egan since, you know, Bloomington doesn't have one. Biggest suburb. Can't renew your license there. So I went to Egan. Then I stopped by the old City Cliff Collectibles to look at the Blu-rays. Better selection than the last time I went, so I picked up a few. I mentioned to Zolly Becker that we were going to talk about Phantom of the Mall, and that perked his interest, got got him all excited. (laughs) Welcome back to the show, Zolly. You don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. Hey, it's me. (laughs) I'm back. Thank you. So you're a proponent of Phantom of the Ball, Eric's Revenge. Yes. Um, It never had a suitable video release. It had a video release from... Prism or Echo Bridge or whatever it became Echo Bridge in the DVD era, and it was only a, a pan and scan VHS mm. or master bootlegged onto uh, you know DVD. Um, it's a USA Up All Night classic. Yeah. Um, or it was with Gilbert. Yes, with Gilbert Gavi. Sorry, I'm like mm. yes, Gilbert. What what was the woman's name? I forget. I can't remember. Is it Rita something? 
I can't remember. Oh my god. I think they had a, a roving set of people. Yeah. I think at one point they had Joe Bob Briggs too, also. Well, he did the Monster Vision, right? So it was like a, yes, a, a separate, that. that was a separate show. That was on TNT, yes. Yeah, that was TNT's version of that. You were saying, nope, all night was the more popular thing, though. Or the more. Rhonda Shear is the woman I'm thinking of. Rhonda Shear, what's she been in movie wise? Yeah. And Caroline Schlitz was on for a year. So yeah, rotating. But yeah, anyway, fan of them all. I discovered Fan of the Mall on VHS tape in the back of Schindler's Roseville. <laughs> 90s. Um, the VHS tape is very, you know, the VHS's jacket was very striking. Did it have the theatrical poster on it? No, I don't think okay. so. Um, but that intrigued me. The movie itself is a different experience. <laughs> Anyway, I'll defer to the group. So I guess I discovered it about a year ago. Oh, this is right around uh, Arrow's release, Blu-ray release. And I'd also seen it on, uh, I can't remember if it's YouTube or something. I, I, I did see, I mean, there might have been a free version on YouTube, but I saw it advertised on Apple TV, uh, well, j- just through Apple. And they were selling a digital version for, I think, $3. It was three or four bucks. I thought, well, that's, you know, pretty much the same to rent it. I might as well just buy it. And, you know, it didn't really come with any special features, so to say. But so, of course, after seeing it, I had to purchase the Arrow Blu-ray. You had to purchase it? (laughs) You had no choice in the matter? No, I did wait for the sale. I only paid the 20. I didn't pay, like, you know. 28 or 36 for this. I, I, I waited for the sale. I got it for like 18 or 20 or whatever it was. Is the digital version uh, from a tape? No, it's uh, it's like the it's the arrow. Um, oh, wow. Arrow cut. So it's, it's basically um, the arrow Blu-ray without special features. Oh, I'd have to watch them again side by side if the quality was that much different, but... I thought like this is like before... Um... It could have been like an SD version of a proper cut, yeah, but before Arrow's version was available, because before Arrow's version was available, it's only you know you can only see tape versions of it, sort of tape versions on DVD or other mediums like YouTube. I don't think it was pan and scan. I think it was a proper cut, but needless to One say, I got the Arrow release. <laughs> I was very pleased with it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's it's very cheesy. It's very late 80s. It's not very 80s. It's very late 80s, uh, which I'm generally not. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of mid to early 80s aesthetic. But I know I got people under the stairs vibes from this movie. Like when I saw people under the stairs for the first time, like I'm not a huge fan, but I do like it. And like the main reason I kind of liked it is the kind of world they kind of built with the sets, you know, everything like the, all the space behind the the walls that, you know, the people under the stairs live in and and run around in. It was like, I mean, they're like comically big, like this can't all fit in one house, but yet it was like still like another world. And like the bowels of this mall, 
are very exaggerated. It's it's very obviously a set, but um, nonetheless, I found it to be very entertaining and a lot of fun with all the the underground tunnels and sewers and like nooks and crannies. And I just kind of like the idea of there being a whole nother world underneath the mall or unseen from shoppers eyes. Can't be fun. I found it to be. So I thought that it'd be fun to do uh, my birthday pick. It's also my name's in the title. I could, you know, get a, I could pull a bunch of drops from this movie. Eric was murdered and nobody cared. It's not uh, Shakespeare. Although the lead actor would tell you it is. Would he? That's his philosophy. In the documentary he talks about, you know, because I don't consider it a, a B movie. You know, everything's Shakespeare. <laughs> well, you know, that's a positive mindset. Yeah. Um, well, like if you, for all you know, for all he knows, that could have been his Freddy Krueger or something. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, not like not for all you know, but like for all anyone knows, and they're in some piece of shit movie. <laughs> They think you could turn into something really good. <laughs> because, you know, usually it's like the best day of their lives. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's also possibly the worst actor in the movie. Well, yeah. Well, there's yeah. there's plenty of people in the running for that award. <laughs> well, yeah, the movie is not a... He really goes for it. I, I can see why he thinks it's, a, you know, like Shakespeare to him, because... He plays it that way. <laughs> the only guy who really like acts in the movie is like the guy, uh, who, the guy from Sunny in Philadelphia, the guy who plays Max the Dad, Gregory Scott yeah. Cummins. Yeah, he's the only one who pretends like he's in a serious movie. Um, yeah, he's great in there. Everyone else plays it like broad and stupid. That's another reason uh, I really like the movie is that the cast is fascinating to me. For uh, several reasons, um, which yeah, we can kind of get into right now. Can we spoil it? Uh, well, to our viewers, I think, <laughs> I think uh, the best word to describe the cast is interesting. I find the cast very interesting. Here's a fun fact: mainly because Harv Posner, the manager of the mall, GM of the mall, is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> That's famous. Babe's Jonathan Goldsmith is his real name. But I remember looking at him, I'm like, God, I know that guy from somewhere. And I had to look it up, and I'm like, because, uh, you know, it has the beard. He's with the beard in the picture. He doesn't have a beard in the fan of the mall. Before. And his and his voice is not uh, Latino at all. He's, you he's know? not. He, he doesn't he's have not an Mexican. accent. Well, his name is Goldsmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to question the the authenticity of those Dos Equis commercials. I know, right? So, like, as soon as I found that out, I'm like, wait a second. So he he basically puts on brown face because, like, you look at him, a picture of him now, he's so tan. <laughs> he's very tan. <laughs> uh, that could just be old Jew color, though. I was going to say, Poser, that sounds uh, like a Jewish name. Because he could be tan. I think he's an old Jewish guy. And that's the color that they get when they go to Florida. <laughs> when they go to Florida, well, you know, yeah. Florida is not Mexico. Okay, he's been spending too much time in Miami, apparently. I don't, know. I, yeah. I don't believe anything he does now. Now that now the Dasakis man isn't real. <laughs> yeah, he could be faking it. He could be, he could be fake tan. He could be 
sheet white. Maybe that's or, why they fired him. They found out that he was uh, Rachel Dole's all in it. <laughs> well, I know he was on Star Trek the original series as like a red shirt, but that's like oh really? That's like you know fifty million years ago, so it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I did not even notice. Um, that. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. I I didn't uh, place him. I placed a bunch of the other actors, but not him. I can't even. You know, if he showed me his face again, I couldn't even recall it. It's like you know, an old guy. I do have a a clip of his voice, I believe, when he's introducing them all in the beginning. We can just compare that with your memory of the Dos Equis commercials. Dos Equis man exists now. Midwood, your time has come. No more shopping in the rain. No more trucking. 45 miles to the Southern Mall. No thank you. No more Saturday night. And where are my kids? And on a, a personal note, as a beloved parent, it gives me great personal pleasure to share with you this, our wonderful mall, the new Midwood Mall. From that voice, I do not get Dos Equis at all. No. <laughs> I like, too, that he referred to himself as a beloved parent. <laughs> yeah. I was confused <laughs> by that. I didn't understand. I've never heard that phrasing before. Usually you put that on their tombstone. Yeah. Beloved <laughs> father. <laughs> People say that about you. You're <laughs> you are beloved by me, is how it goes. Not that I'm beloved by my kids. I am a beloved parent. Well, I tell people I'm a beloved influencer. <laughs> well, you are that's true though. I'm beloved. <laughs> but like I don't mean it like in the like the Dracula sense, really. Like in the dead people sense. Speaking of which, let's just plug it right now. What's your Twitter handle and YouTube page? Oh. For your influencing. Oh, it's just my name. It's just my name. Just find me. At Zolly Becker. Yeah. No, not at Zolly Becker. No, yes, at Zolly Becker. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. And yeah. YouTube is the Zolly Becker show, correct? Yes, it is. I made that when I was really young. My original, like, high school videos I should not have deleted. They were good. Mm. But I deleted them. Well, anyway. Yes. Thanks for the plug. No worries. Um, also, the this Jonathan Goldsmith, he was in, uh, he was on a run of Dallas. 19 episodes. He was in Mamma Mia. Hang Em High. Bunch of TV work, Grey's Anatomy, the new Dragnet. Well, 2003 Dragnet. I guess not the new, but. Oh, the Ed O'Neill one. Ed O'Neill is Joe Friday. <laughs> I think so. Um, rest of the cast, the main character, Eric Matthews, is played by Derek Rydell, whose uncle is Don Siegel. Is this uh, cast is rife with nepotism? Yes. Extreme nepotism. Don Single, director of Dirty Harry, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and so on and so forth. And later, his little brother married Topanga. <laughs> A lucky man. Yeah. Eric Matthews and his brother Corey. <laughs> uh, uh, Rob Estes, or Estes, is Peter Baldwin. He's the uh, journalist. Now, I just knew him from 
growing up in the 90s, it was always in my face, these advertisements for silk stockings on USA. Did you ever watch Silk Stockings, Zolly? The show? Yeah. No, no. But I know I the name Bob Estes from somewhere. Well, somewhere else, not this well, movie. He was on a, a newer version of 90210. I think the, like the reboot. And oh, then right. he was on Melrose Place. And he was on a soap opera. I think Days of Our Lives. And then I think he was on one of the CSIs or something. Never really made it big, but yeah, um, these TV people basically, and that's what most of the movie, most of the people in this movie are like TV people. I mean, even that someone is esteemed and revered as the Dos Equis man is really yeah. only a TV guy. Silk stockings is actually it's a play on words. It's stockings spelled S T A L K I N G S. Oh, oh, shit. yeah. There's a bunch of lurid uh, stories on USA. It was like. Sleazy adult entertainment, but you know, no nudity basically because it's USA. Although I never watched it, so I could the, the USA up all night thing. Like they were, if they were playing it late enough, I'm guessing they could have no, had. No, no sense when they were terrible. Were they? Part okay. The thing about the nostalgia is we we have nostalgia about the fact that they were there. Yeah, that's a horrible way to watch movies. But it's basically he's a he's a, he's a private detective, I think, and then he was like investigating. Crimes of passion, you know, Nobody sexy stuff. Anything. I don't think anyone watched anything on the USA Network until like Monk and Burn. <laughs> Monday Night Raw was on the USA. Yeah, Network. that's different. They USA was just a channel. Yeah, and so they like um, did their you know, let's have Monk and twelve shows like Monk. <laughs> And uh, and burn notice, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember they used to advertise silk stockings during Raw. It'd be like, yeah, after Monday Night Raw, stay tuned for silk stockings. <laughs> or when silk, or when silk stockings wasn't on, it would be stay tuned for La Femme Nikita. Oh yep, yep. Or Pacific Blue, or Weird Science. I used to watch Weird Science <laughs> and Duckman. Well, uh, okay, there you go. You, you know, you're a USA Network watcher in the nineties. <laughs> I just happened to see commercials for all this stuff because I was watching wrestling on there. I didn't actually watch yeah. this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I must have seen it, um, you know, USA Network, but I never, never watched it, you know, with any real interest until, like, you know, the late 2000s. We throw on USA on the holidays because they'd always show Indiana Jones or Problem Child. Or yeah, whatever. they were a movie channel. Yeah, well, like, they didn't have, they didn't, aside from, but they weren't like go-to program for me in the nineties. Not even right. All. Right. You know, I like that it exists, but it was. I mean, I have nostalgia about it. I had no premium cable in the nineties. No. USA and TNT and TBS were the were my movie channels yeah. basically. Yeah. Except for the couple of years we had Showtime, that was it. But yeah, that that that's what makes all the difference in the world, I guess. <laughs> Uh, we also have Polly Shore playing Buzz. Yeah. Oh, that's the spoiler. Also, another spoiler. <laughs> One of three, I think. Yeah, as an incidental character. Well, he's he's got a pretty good role in there. Well, I mean, he's he's the weasel. He exists to yeah. <laughs> express the weasel. But he isn't he isn't like in his full weaselness no. yet. No. You can see it kind of bubbling under the surface and it's very out of place for, for the movie that it is i mean there's a lot of things in this movie that are out of place 
on the arrow set you got there's two versions of it and there's one with more Polly Shore that integrates Polly Shore in the main character's lives in a really unnatural way or in a way that shows how limited the movie is yeah so So, I I don't know if I've watched the different versions or even seen the option for the different versions I've seen all the deleted scenes longer one (laughs) The longer one uh, begins with uh, Eric when he's still alive, mm-hmm. like doing like a gymnastics. Yeah, I've I've seen this. That's one of the deleted scenes. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's in the it's in the movie in the longer version. It's like the prologue before. The yeah, time. I saw because I went on YouTube and I saw. Oh that yeah, was... that's, that's one of the places you can see it. That's the the YouTube or the sorry the the TV cut. TV cut, yeah, which, which is, is shorter, shorter, but the on the Blu-ray it's longer because it's not, you yeah, know, it's, it's not censored. I will say that that beginning probably is a little better, but I don't. That gymnastics scene is just it's it's got to go. <laughs> well, you can see that like whoever made the final cut, the two rules: we got to make it shorter and remove as much quality short as possible. I'm sure for like producer reasons for like his mom or whatever, in order to get the movie made or whatever, they probably I don't, I don't even know if it's this we just assuming that he was forced upon them. I forget who he was a, a friend of or knew. I'm certain of that. I'm certain he was forced upon them. And all this unnecessary padding was given to him. Not like it's bad, because without it, it wouldn't be feature length by any any standard of feature length. Right. But um, he, uh, or th- yeah, that um, alternate intro or opening ends with Eric and his girlfriend going back to his place. And then the the opening credits start with the fire in the background. That makes a lot more sense. You know, the house is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you, you don't want to sit through a three minute gymnastics scene. That's. But how does it compare to the opening of Never Too Young to Die? <laughs> never well, too young to die blows it all the water who, who's the better gymnast <laughs> well never too young to die is like and i mean to go off the rails here is a much better movie especially now it's a great movie well it's like great it's like it's where this you know young james wan thing comes from mm-hmm. james wan jr the cartoon i don't know if that predates it or doesn't but they're, they're similar conceptually similar movies in the sense of never too young to die and you know this one heavily influenced by the gymnastics craze i mean everything's post gymkata right yes not on (laughs) blu-ray yeah i have the yeah i just have the dvd but yeah that that definitely needs a blu-ray release no it needs 4k well yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'm surprised i was surprised because gymkata was uh pretty uh Trendy a few within the last couple of years uh, like on Twitter. I'm pretty yeah, sure everybody was talking about uh, it. Media or uh, someone. TCM Underground used to show it like twice a year, two, three times a year. <laughs> well, you know. That doesn't exist anymore. They got rid of TCM oh. Underground. They hate it. But yeah, it's a better movie. No, Jim Cotton is not a better movie. It's about the same as Banner in the Mall. Yeah. Uh, let's go th- through more of the cast. the The main girl's name is uh, 
Is it Melody? I don't know. I don't know. I never know the names. Because she was the, the main girl, Eric's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Melody was the main one, and um, Susie was the friend. Because they're kind of out of order here on the, the cast list. They but... name them after like phantom characters, like when it be Christine or something. Mm. But Carrie Whitman was a, a Playboy Playmate in February of 88. So she was like kind of a get for this. Like, okay, we got a Playmate. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Sedaris movie. You know, we got two Playmates and two pets. The guy who made this movie in Doom Asylum really knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. One of the chosen people? Are you talking about the director? Yeah. Uh, the Friedman? Uh, what's his? Yeah. Paul M. Friedman or something. Yeah. He's definitely chosen. He's definitely chosen. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a, a mercenary hire. Uh, the writers, the original writers of this, here, well, let's finish the cast and we'll get into the writer and the director. But but this, yeah, the Carrie Whitman was a playmate. Um, she didn't do all that much after this. I mean, she got more involved with uh, animal rights and things like that. She kind of went the Pam, Pamela Anderson route with the PETA yeah. and whatnot. But she did one uh, episode of Baywatch. Yeah. That's one more than lots of people. Dangerous Curves. <laughs> she did one episode of Dangerous Curves. The name of the strip club two, uh, next to my hometown. Two two episodes of Silk Stockings. Oh, rather, these are TV people. I don't want to be more with him. It's a lovely movie. Uh, Kimber Sissons played Susie, her friend. Don't know much about her. Uh, Gregory Scott Cummins played Christopher Walker or Volker. Sorry, the uh, hitman slash security guard, or. I don't know, wouldn't necessarily say hitman, but he was the he did he was, all the uh was all the, the Posner's bidding, basically. He was the cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> As you said, he's from uh, Always Sunny, plays uh, Max Dad. Uh Tom Fridley plays Justin here. He's Posner's son. Now you know Tom Fridley from uh Jason Lives, Friday the thirteenth, part six. Yeah. One of the counselors, he has the uh, amazing monologue about Native Americans where he learned so much. <laughs> then he then he goes and has sex in an RV with, yeah. with an older woman. Here's a fun fact. Uh, he's also uh, John Travolta's nephew. See? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's got a little bit of the looks there. Uh, Morgan Fairchild. Oh, yeah. You know, the age is finally starting to catch up with her, but she looked great for many, many, many years. Lots of surgery, but yeah, yeah. still looked good. Natural. <laughs> she was born in 1950, so she's almost 40 here. Yeah. Morgan Fairchild, they know her mostly from, uh, well, she was on what are all those Lifetime movies or whatever in the 90s. Yeah. And then she made a cameo on Home Improvement. There was an episode where Al Borland became a uh, small celebrity and they asked him to be in an MOW with Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> and he got super excited. He says, Mow? I love to mow. What would I be mowing? And there I get it's, uh, it's a movie of the week. Yeah. And then yeah. they filmed it at Tim's house for some reason. Um, I just remember from Holy Man, that terrible Eddie Murphy movie from the 90s. Yeah. Eddie Murphy electric, electrocutes her on 
live television or something. I think it's a home shopping network or something. I only watch good Eddie Murphy movies. <laughs> uh, we also have Ken Foray, Dawn of the Dead fame, and yep. Rob Zombie movie fame, and yep. lots of horror films. It spanned decades. Oh, I also wanted to point out Bricky Stevens had a cameo in here. We talked about on uh, Slimeball Bolarama. Bricky Stevens is uh, one of the naked girls in the changing room that's being peeped on. She's easy to peck out because I, I remember her breasts from Slimeball. <laughs> very small, but yet very perky, firm. Great body on 80s Bricky Stevens. I'm glad you analyzed that scene. Do you see her current picture, though? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Brad. It's 2023. Come on. I didn't. I just said, uh, did you see her current picture? (laughs) If you if you inferred something from that, that's on you. (laughs) Don't put that on me. Well, I had to. uh, Well, going through, I had to, you know, Pull the clips and whatnot, but I was like, God, I didn't recognize Bricky Stevens. And then I go, Oh, yep, there she is. <laughs> you just see her through the security camera. You don't see her in another scene. But that's kind of weird that she's such a you know extra, basically, like glorified extra in this film. And she was doing plenty of stuff before this. Could have been like an even longer version of the movie. Yeah. You didn't even know about it. I know there was a, a musical element that was cut. There was a big musical dance number that was ba- uh, described by the main uh, actor as a, a flash dance like scene where he was <laughs> dancing and gyrating on like pillars in the hallways. And oh man, apparently it was very uh, intense. But um, I don't know if I could have taken that one. <laughs> yeah. On top of everything else he does does in the movie. Yeah. That'll do it for the cast, finally. But uh, the director, Richard Friedman, was kind of a mercenary. There was another guy that was going to direct it with the original writers. Um, So the original spec screenplay was written by uh, Scott Snyde and Frederick R. Ulrich. And that got taken and reworked with Schneid and this guy named Tony Michaelman. And then they came in and one of the main things was, well, okay, we're going to cut the budget in half from like 4.2 to 2 million. They brought in this other screenplay writer, uh, Robert King, and he kind of just tore it all to shreds. If you've watched this documentary with the uh, kind of the original writers, they just hate the movie and talk about how everything was just ruined and everything was changed. And they said the script was a lot funnier, but it also had more like they, one of the biggest problems with this movie is is the title, <laughs> Eric's Revenge. It sounds like it's a sequel. And it also tells you that Eric is alive and the Phantom of the Mall. <laughs> like you weren't supposed to know that right away, basically going in as you do watching it. But anywho, like we said, this is not Shakespeare, but uh, it was, you know, one of those old Hollywood stories that Producers came in and changed everything. Freeze Entertainment. I forget the guy's first name, but Freeze. It's spelled Fries, but it's pronounced Freeze. Is the uh, producer. But uh, yeah, uh, synopsis for Phantom of the Mall. 
A man loses his home and suffers life-threatening burns from a fire deliberately set by commercial real estate developers vying for his property. One year later, a shopping mall opens on the land and a series of murders begins. Depending on the version you watch, but the real, I guess, theatrical version is um, takes place in the the abnormally large air ducts of the of the mall. <laughs> Huge, yeah. They're spotless too. Clean. Yeah. They very thought, much look like. I thought sets we were getting. I thought. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say. Uh, I thought we were getting another dose of the breather. To start <laughs> the movie out. Yeah, they definitely have the POV breathing in full effect here. But um, yeah, it's it's him, and he's he, he gets into the like a sporting goods store, and he breaks off uh, part of the, the face of one of the mannequins to get his mask for the Phantom. Although it's it's a little late in the game to be getting that, and it was like it's been a year, and you're just getting your mask now. But I guess it just opened, so I'll give him a yeah. little bit of better for the doubt. Well, where's he been for a year? Nobody he's knew been, what happened to him. They thought he was dead. He's been he's been lifting one weight underground for a year. Ten pounds. Ten pound yeah. dumbbell. I like in that scene too. The uh, the security guard can't tell the difference between a person and a mannequin. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! Is he? Well, it's dark in there. He's got the flashlight, and he kind of does the slow reveal. You know, he picks up a he picks up a crossbow too. So. You know, he's armed. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I'm sure I was going to do fan the possibility of, you know, the security guard in the night, not knowing the difference between a mannequin and a human, but it's completely absurd here. <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, kills the guard quickly. Then it kind of fades into the, the flames and the uh, opening title credits with uh, a fun, a fun score. I wouldn't say it's a good score. It's very late eighties. Uh, I think it fits the movie well, because this movie is so, so dated eighty nine to me, with the music, the aesthetic, the just all the production quality. It just screams. That's my main problem with late eighties stuff is everything looks so cheap to me. But um, I mean, this one was the transition years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know the the great synth scores of the eighties kind of like everyone went overboard with it. I think they probably got cheaper synthesizers and more, um, cliched beats that they use in their scores. And well, they come pre-programmed. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was using their, their, their base garage band back then. No add-ons or plugins or anything like that. Everyone you know, was into martial arts and backflips and shit. It's what to believe the late 80s movie. Now, mind you, all this could be evocative because it could be all a result of Renny Harlan's uh, Nightmare Part 4. I mean, that could have, like, given people the template of copy. I mean, we don't know, looking back. Yeah, well, what, uh, what year was that? Was that 87? 87, 88, 89. I don't know. No, 87. Yeah, 87. Okay. And, so Dream Warriors was 86 or 85? Uh, 86, 85 or 86. Okay. But I'm not just, you know, plugging Lenny Harlan because he's so great, but I'm just saying it could all started then given that entire California late 80s look. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, like the 
the latest uh, or the later Jason films. I mean, late 80s, early 90s, especially uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which was 94. Yeah. That looks like the, the cheapest one of them all. It, it is it's the least visually ambitious of all. Yeah. The production quality, this looks terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't you know. The only reason to watch that movie is the last five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of Jason movie. Just real quick, you were, you were tweeting about that uh, yesterday or maybe it was even today, Freddy versus Jason? Oh, yeah, I said that it's one of the last movies. Um, back when I was a kid, there was a magazine called Cine Fantastic, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had all these movies in development help. And most of them were sequels to like huge blockbusters. A lot of them were like uh, original movie IPs that had yet to be made, like Spider-Man, Batman versus Superman, like things like that existed as movie properties being passed around and turned around back and forth between studios for years in development hell. Um, And one of them was Freddy versus Jason. Another one of them was John Carter of Mars. Star Wars 4 was another one of them. So that's what I mean. I mean, we're running out of original movies to make. I don't mean that like in a stupid way. I mean, running out of uh, 20th century concepts and 20th stage, 20th century IPs to recapitalize upon in any way. Right. Because adaptations of shit going forward will have to uh, meet some Stalinist bullshit. So they won't really be adaptations. They'll be be destructions. But yeah, all those movies in development hell. um, Freddy vs. Jason is one of them. It was in production from back and forth between New Line, well, mostly New Line internally since Jason Goes to Hell came out. You know, almost, I don't know, 10, 11 years back and forth. Mm. And I know a lot of people have a problem with Ronnie Yu's final movie, but it's a miracle, in my opinion. Yeah, I find it quite entertaining. My favorite part is when Brandy calls Freddy the dreaded (laughs) F-slur. That was quite the laugh. Um, Brandy's got more kills than Jason in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Deadlier than Freddy. Yeah, that's right. What happened? She someone else? Yeah, it was a car accident. It was a... Brandy killed somebody with her car. Which Knowles is she? Solange Knowles? Not Solange. No, she's uh, Ray J's Kelly sister. Rowland. Kelly Rowland. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Forgotten. Oh, you... Yeah, it's about... Kelly Rowland, not Brandy. Oh, Kelly Rowland. Shit, yeah. Oh, in Freddy versus Jason? Kelly Rowland. Isn't she like... This could be... I almost forgot Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland, I think, is... Uh... Okay. She's got a commercial where she uh what is it for? It's something for she's got her kid in there too, and it's like uh new teeth or some shit. I've seen I on in a new teeth ad. Yeah, I think Kelly Rowland is not Kelly Rowland, no, whoever who plays the lead, Monica. No, that's I'm thinking of a different person than you are, sorry. Well, I, I think uh you're right. Kelly Rowland, I think, is the one. And Freddy versus Jason, but uh, Mulder said uh, Brandy. Yeah, it is Kelly Rowland. My bad. Who's Brandy? Which one is Brandy? Brandy was Moesha. She was yeah. uh, oh, Ray J's sister. 
Moesha killed people? <laughs> Allegedly, I should say that for legal purposes. Yeah. Was it one or two people? I forget. I, I don't know. At least one, maybe two. Was it like uh, malicious or was it like. I don't think they, uh, I don't think she got convicted for it, but she definitely did it. I mean, she was definitely in the accident, you know, it was like, uh, oh, I was thinking with the main, the main lead girl in, in FVJ. She's, she's like a crackhead. Hmm. A meth user. A user of meth. Monica Kina? Yeah. yeah. I know that's really mean to say. <laughs> but I believe <laughs> she's a fucking crackhead. <laughs> Kelly Rowland has quite the picture on IMDb. Don't mind that. Well, I mean, she's got shit tons of money. But yeah, I guess it was like a Caitlyn Jenner or Matthew Broderick situation. Yeah, the, yeah. I didn't. Even, I didn't hear about about Brandy slash Moesha killing all those people. It does not <laughs> affect my uh, all those people. <laughs> it doesn't really affect my you know opinion of you know her music and any of that. And it makes her more like Pol Pot. Because I used to compare her to Pol Pot with the two names. But now that she's, you know, you know, busted the cherry of causing the death of another, she's on her way. <laughs> well, I mean, she's got two names. I mean, Brandy is Marisha and Marisha is Brandy. Yeah. That's like a lot for some people. But like, what do you mean? That's, yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, she, she was one of those one-name people like Leon or, uh, you know, Madonna. It wasn't like a bunch of school kids, right? No, I, uh, it might have just been one person, maybe two. Only one? Okay. Well, that's not so bad. It's got away with it. It's not like they sent her to jail or anything. They, 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 they really, yeah, yeah. The most important thing. Is that women do not face consequences. As men, you have to insulate them from that shit. No matter what. They thought having to be publicly related to Ray J was bad enough. Well, I didn't know she I didn't know she's related to Ray J. She's in uh she's in the second I know what she did last summer, right? Yes. Okay. As Brandy, not as Malicia. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find how many people she killed. Also, and Jeffrey Combs is. Looks like it was just one. It's a good movie. I like it. Okay, so you confirm it was just one, Brett? Did you look it up? Uh, that's what Wikipedia is. Okay. Computer is compromised. I can only see your screen, not mine. It's a rookie numbers. You got to pump up those numbers. It says she was driving her car at 65 miles an hour and did not notice that vehicles ahead of her were, had slowed considerably. Oh. Her vehicle then collided with the rear of uh, the other driver's car, um, causing that car to strike another vehicle before sliding sideways and impacting the center divider. She went at that motherfucker. And then it, that <laughs> car was hit by another car. Oh, shit. Well, she caused the pileup. She caused the pileup. Mm. I put an unproduced screenplay where a, a pop star causes a massive pileup. It says, it says that the, the car may have hit the car in front before Brandy hit Yeah, she's innocent. Her. She's innocent. She's the victim. Um, and I also reported that the other driver had slight traces of marijuana mm -hmm. in her system. 
So, no. so they took this poor deceased woman and just like ran her name through the mud. She was on marijuana. She, she caused the accident that killed herself. She attempted to take suicide by brandy. I just imagine brandy driving 65 miles an hour just into the back of traffic, just like not even slowing down. It's the brandy like wasn't being driven by like an entourage driver person or something. Well, I mean, this is after her career had waned. I don't yeah. think she could afford one. I think oh, it's post Moesha. Come on. She must she must be getting checks from Sony still. She didn't have any of that UPN money left. Yeah, UPN is fucking gone, dude. It's gone. <laughs> like the snows of yesteryear. That's what Shop was back in the day. I was thinking she's on some VH1 uh, reality show now with Ray J. See that that's enough money to get you know someone else to drive you. Yeah. Deal it. All right, um, let's get back to the movie. Uh, I think we can get to our first clip because, uh, yeah, the the GM of the mall and Morgan Fairchild, they're all introducing it. It's like a press event. Rob Estes is there. And uh, he's very Mel- creepy. She's very <laughs> creepy. Uh, Melody's there. Her and her friend are getting some ice cream from Polly Shore, who uh, they have that random out of place gag with uh, he can make human parts out of ice cream, I guess. I don't know what that was. He just has like a fake ear that he puts in the ice cream and then he eats it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know how they would get the uh, eating the ice cream, but there's no person who is like, you know, um, killed. If you took the ear off the security guard, like, in advance a long time ago. We, we should be accurate here. It is, in fact, yogurt. Yeah, frozen yogurt. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of the yogurt problem in America. <laughs> Until uh, it was almost solved when Jerry thought he found a, a fat-free yogurt place. But and I sit through that terrible Seinfeld episode about it. <laughs> fat-free. <laughs> the one where he swears in front of the old kid, but they censor it because it's mm. NBC. Just quickly. Speaking of censoring, Disney can go fuck itself. <laughs> well, is it Disney or is it Criterion? They blame Disney. That's um, the people alleging this are blaming. They saying they licensed the the cut that they have from Disney, and Disney had originally censored it. We're, we're talking about uh, the French Connection. Apparently, on the blue on the Criterion Channel, uh, you know, Popeye Doyle has some choice words that include some ethnic slurs. Yeah, they censored the word Guinea. Guinea, and then um, I think the N-word? Does he say that? The article I saw censored it. Yeah. So I couldn't... I, couldn't, I just <laughs> had to guess. They didn't censor Guinea, but they... This is the end of Criterion's good name for sure. So, well, this is also not necessarily from the disc. No, I know. This, is, this is from the Criterion channel, the streaming no, channel. But... Criterion is pivoting from being a video releaser to a streaming platform. Um, and, and because of this, their good name is Rook. Their good name is Rook. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they have just as much blame. To, if Disney censored that version, you know, it's like, why why license it? Why, why pick it up? Yeah. This is, this is like, 
No, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, it's the channel. They're all one thing. It's one responsibility. And letting this happen, whether it was Disney who did it or 20th Century Studios under the direction of Disney, or William Friedkin himself, Billy Friedkin being crazy. This is it. This is the end for them. This is the end of Criterion as the Criterion, as the thing that they were, is now over and gone forever. What are they going to do when they need to have a 4K release of Solo, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that that is the, the weird thing is like, is Solo okay, but like... Saying an ethnic slur uh, isn't? Well, I mean, I'm sure that you know they'll they'll try to make them up, but I don't know if you guys follow their video releases too religiously. But a while back, they released a, a long car wide collection, which not only was cropped and altered, like Days of Being Wild is cropped. Not that people were even buying it for Days of Being Wild. The uh, audio was was terribly remastered. It was digitally stretched a little. Uh, Love noise that's not there. Um, and Chunking Express was was encoded terribly. I mean, like 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 below anything bad, like below like Troma's War even. And uh, that was like a ninety nine dollar product. Um, yeah, and that was the the time I realized that either was a A team and a B team with Criterion working on different projects. You know, one for box sets, one for individual releases, because they still have some really good individual releases here and there. Um, but at that point, they were no longer reliable. It, it, was, it was at that point. It was in my collector's interest. It was is best for Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome, Synapse, and, and you know, and Shout to get everything. I think I've seen that one car white collection at Barnes and Noble, but I think it's out of print now with Criterion proper. Really? Wow. I think I'm I'm not certain. They might have they might have a new one car white collection coming out. I I like to hope that they're gonna reissue it in 4K, which would fix all the encoding problems. Um I hope that they uh, include both versions of Chunky Express because one of the only values of their streaming channel. Is they have the original version of Chunk Hanks West, the, the the original soundtrack that hasn't been you know digitally altered. Um, not that you know, not that it's missing any music. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying the original release, the soundtrack on the original release sounds better. Okay. Than the better one. Because um, I know some of them are out of print. I was at Half Price Books a few months ago. Yeah, the original releases of all those movies are out of print. That's what made the box set so valuable. Yeah, there, there was a Blu-ray of, I forget which 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 film, but there was a Blu-ray of it, and it was like, you know, 80 bucks, 90 oh, bucks, so maybe even more. Chunky Express, Chunky Express, yeah. is worth like $400. I sold mine to get the box set um, because I just assumed that the box set would be great. I, I right. knew that like some of the movies were altered George Lucas style because Wonkar Y himself is weird, but um, if you're being honest, everyone is only buying the box set for uh, Chunky Express and the Mood for Love 
and like two other movies that are remastered. I, I and, bought uh, their individual release of In the Mood for Love. So I haven't watched it yet, but I'm hoping it's... Well, they released a 4K version of In the Mood for Love. 4K disc. The first title from the box set. Um, but it's not in Dolby Vision or HDR or anything. And it's weird because the German version is... Uh, that, that is the first time that is the, that was one of the other criterions of disappointment is when I realized that their 4K versions were also not going to be the best in the world for any given title. Well, I swear every third 4K release has problems with it. You you had to send in Citizen Kane, and how many well, others did you have I'm to send sure. back? The, the, the Citizen Kane thing it didn't really. It only affected the normal Blu-ray. The problems that I'm talking about, and and they're problems. His second seal, for example, Igmar Bergman's second seal. BFI released it yet last year in 4K. It's got HDR, it's got Dolby Vision. I know some people have problems with the subtitles on it. That's that's not that has nothing to do with the HDR or the Dolby Vision. Hmm. Criterion's upcoming or recently released second seal 4K is just 4K. It is not Dolby Vision or HDR. And now they they've come up with some bullshit excuse about like you know, some movies aren't aren't uh, it's revisionist or something, but uh, that is uh, I I don't I don't know who's advising them on this or, or what projectors they're they're watching things on. Uh, 4K Mini is supposed to be in HDR that that is the promise and and I accept. Maybe uh, Night of the Living Dead not being an HDR because um, they only had a SDR master, but I, I don't, I don't really, really accept that either. That that was another warning sign. Um, if uh, Double Indemnity is in HDR, everything else should be in HDR. It's just how it is. Yeah, not a change. It's just the latitude of the medium. Um, and releasing an inferior second seal, the, the BFI, is is in, also inexcusable. And BFI isn't just some German video camera. They're, you know, the BFI. They're, they're, they're almost, like if Arrow is here, they're here. Right? Arrow is here. BFI is like here. For, for the listeners. <laughs> Zolly lowered his hand quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there are a lot of really good British labels that are, that are better than, than BFI. But, um, you know, I guess you have to put BFI over Eureka because Eureka doesn't release any 4K stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's just, I've always, I mean, I hate Disney for so many reasons and them buying 20th Century just really pissed me off. But them censoring French Connection and then Criterion just apparently just not caring and licensing the censored version is yeah, well, like I mean, it's very troubling. Yeah, Criterion uh, is, is now a problem. It's now a problem if they're releasing a movie. I know they let a lot of movies lapse. I don't know if they brought this up on this show or a show before. They had the Deer Hunter and Ferris Bueller and all these movies and they let them all lapse. Um, yeah. Because they they they, I keep on saying this. They are a failed laserdisc publisher. They never came back from laserdisc ending. Laserdisc was their gimmick. 
they made people care about Laserdisc. And when Laserdisc went, they did too. They only recently got to release movies in their catalog back. I mean, their real catalog, their Laserdisc catalog, which is only reflected in their first 20 DVDs, which mm. is still pretty valuable in the secondary market. What, um, what did you talk about the Michael Bay films? Were they part of the... Uh... Yeah, The Rock, Armageddon. Uh, yep. Those those are actually later. Those are actually later okay. in the DVD era. But the Armageddon was was for Armageddon from Criterion only ever had a Laserdisc era master. Even the DVD of it of the director's cut, which is only available on Criterion Laserdisc and DVD, is uh, standard definition, mm. letterbox, not widescreen, letterbox only. Huh. But yeah, um, they have an exclusive Robocop commentary. That is only on you know their DVD and Lasers with Robocop. Uh they 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 made Blade Runner popular on video more so than it would have been. But yeah, once in the in the middle in the mid 2000s when DVD took over, Criterion's DVDs were mostly like world films from Studio Canal that nobody cared about. They weren't really allowed to release like real movies again. And this sounds so horrible to say. Until like the big chill in 2014, maybe. Huh. <laughs> and then they were allowed to release actual movies from studios because the home video market had collapsed. So that was, that was a blind buy of mine that I very much regret. <laughs> well, I mean, I mentioned it's because it's, you know, it's a bland piece of shit. But, <laughs> yeah. big chill, but I knew right then the big chill meant that Prince of Tides had come out. And all these other, you know, layers of these titles that come out. Mm. Um, because that was their, their real golden era. And I'm sure internally they know that. They know that all the companies they influence to be like them are, are better than them now. I mean, my, one of my big digs against Criterion is they let, Robo, they let Robocop go to Arrow. And that's not saying I don't like Arrow. I love Arrow. Arrow is actually, like, probably the new Criterion. But the fact that they let one of their sacred Laserdisc titles with their sacred created, you know, edited together Robocop commentary, more of like a religious tone poem, um, they let it just fade away because they didn't like the idea of it, maybe. Um, it is terrible. And that was that was maybe them throwing down the literal gauntlet and I don't know how, how how I let that slide. Like, oh, it's just you know, some movies go to other studios. Like they, you know, like not everything gets re-released. But if they re-released Sounds of the Lambs and Princess Bride, they have to release Robocop. And they had to, and, and they 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 twice denied Robocop, both <laughs> in two K and in four K, when it was it was right up for them in the taking and. Uh, you know, once once you're no longer about restoring your original canon, and that was their canon. Some movies are only great because Criterion made them great, and uh, that was it. Anyway, yeah, Thank I have you. the Arrow uh, RoboCop. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. It's as good as It's probably better than what 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 I know actually to a moral certainty that it's better than anything Criterion could do. It, it, but you're it, saying uh, there's still a commentary that Criterion has that's not on the yes. arrow? The arrow okay. commentaries are not the ones that are on Criterion. The no. Criterion one is created in 95. And 
Verhoeven is not Jewish, but he has the um, he has the Jewish experience, the mythological Jewish experience. <laughs> because he's you know he's you know rescued from the oven, so to speak, or apologized. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So he essentially he explains, and the writers explain the value of human life in the real world, and then it, it goes off the rails. And it's like this is a mannequin Jesus, and oh. and you, you realize that you you are you are witnessing, you know, something beyond, beyond maybe Predator, a movie that's slightly better than Predator, perhaps. Um, but anyway, yeah, Criterion owns that commentary. They own many commentaries they've given back to studio. I mean, they could have given Arrow their commentary, but they didn't. Huh. It's probably the best commentary they ever had recorded. I know people talk about the commentaries for the set. Oh, yeah, they released seven also on Laserdisc. And they never, they're, they're probably mm -hmm. not going to, uh, actually, you know, they'll probably get seven back. They probably would, would choose seven over Robocom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they get their shit together. But Arrow saves movies. You know, Arrow saved Phantom of the Mall. Then it did. Kachin would not. Not that they would, but the Criterion would double not. Like, if it hasn't always gotten by Criterion, they might do something bad to it. Believe it or not, Phantom of the Mall is the focus of this episode. Yes, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, that content was great, Zolly. Don't uh, apologize well, for I that. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I'm very thankful for Arrow. Holy shit. I mean, that was one of the main reasons I got the Arrow Blu-ray, because I know... Only here, because Arrow Video. Because I, I know how passionate they are about every title they release and the content that they put with it. And a movie such as Phantom of the Mall to get the content that it does is pretty impressive. Maybe some people might call it sad, <laughs> but <laughs> I'd still call it impressive and I find it very entertaining. There's a, a 47 minute documentary uh, about the making of. There's also an interview with Joe Escalante, the drummer from the Vandals. Also the co-writer and producer of the song Phantom of the Mall that they that plays over the end credits. Although he's like, I don't know, he's he's like in his 50s now. But the Vandals, you know, an Orange County punk rock group uh from the 80s, they're already in a couple of movies. They were in Suburbia, uh, and a movie called Dudes I've never even really heard about with uh, oh, uh Penelope John, John Cryer. Yeah, Spheres, uh Penelope uh, Spheres and uh, uh, John Cryer stars in it with uh forget who else, but is it Grandpa Munster? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. I've seen that. I'm pretty sure I've seen that movie. Because they go to a Vandals concert in the beginning, but um yeah, he had some sort of a family member or family friend that was related to the Fries or like they knew sorry, Freeze, uh Freeze's son or something or other. And uh so that's how they got involved and yeah, I mean, this is like a huge nepotism movie. That's probably to show off the, you know, the new people. Yeah. And Joe Escalante now, he's, he's in his 50s and he's wearing a Lacoste polo. Just couldn't look more <laughs> not punk. And he, he just could not wait to apologize for the lyrics of the song and how they're not PC. And <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll play it now or I'll play in the background, but. You know, they talk about uh, 
Is, it, is he the Phantom of the Mall, or is it just some a retard in a broken hockey mask? <laughs> Apologizing for using the dreaded R word and the the R word. Spread the word to end the word, Eric. <laughs> and also uh, talking about Morgan Fairchild's breasts at one point, I guess, but. Anywho, it's just, it, it seems like that's the case for. I'm not a you know a, a punk aficionado. I don't know all that much about it. I don't listen to that much, but it seems like a lot of the the punk guys that get older, they're very much not punk. And but the, the he's still in the band. Like I saw him, like he's still very much in the Vandals. And I'm just like, so people like go and listen to you now, and they don't care that you look like a dorky dad from the suburbs. It's like Henry Rollins, you know, you see him, he looks like a dorky dad from the suburbs. I'm so comfortable. He's got like a, you know, a rubber Casio watch and <laughs> right. wears a shirt and like Nike shorts and A6 sneakers or something. You're like, <laughs> what is this? But well, he, yeah, he know. lost his he lost his gig as a permanent panel member on every VH1 show in the in the 2000s. I always knew him as an actor first for movies like The Chase and things like that. That's that's where I knew him from. It was like anytime they needed somebody to comment on something on VH1, it was Henry Rollins. Arrow should do a, a release of The Chase with Charlie Sheen. Why don't I own this? Why don't I own this? Yes, someone should. Well, you know who owns that? Disney owns that. Oh, is that is that a 20th century? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I got the VHS. <laughs> oh boy. Oh shit. Well, I was gonna mention it. What I didn't want to cut into everybody's diatribe earlier, but I haven't seen the French connection in a while. Is there only one scene where he where there's a use of a racial slur? Yeah, it's like it it <laughs> seems odd that they would oh, just cut like two lines out. I don't know how they'd make any decisions about what to cut because it's like the whole movie in my, like, in my like is that is that not like the whole thing? Like that's that's literally every cop movie in the seventies was just yeah, like yeah. nothing but racial slurs. Yeah. It's really weird is Friends Connection is written by Ernest Tideman, who wrote, you know, uh, Shaft. Um, okay, yep. And Shaft, you know, in the Criterion Collection, only two of them are in, not all three. Well, all three of the original five. But you know, there's an original Shaft trilogy, and they yeah, just, about the uh, about the Warner archive three pack Blu-rays. There you go. Now they don't have special features to speak of for Big Score or It Goes to Africa, but they had similar um, special features to the Criterion release. They both have uh, at least one episode of the TV show. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I don't know. They're, I was bothered back in 2012 when they only released the first Shaft movie on Blu-ray and they only released one of the shows as an extra in standard definition. That show was filmed on film? It's not a show. They're TV movies. They're five Shaft TV movies right. filmed on film that we're not getting. That's that seems fine. like a misstep because it... For me, the Shaft films get better as they uh, they go yeah. on. The cycle becomes more pure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, that's, that's twice we've been fucked. Oh, twice. 
<laughs> not just twice. <laughs> Let's be real. Collectors are fucked every day. Because, like, I mean, there was an opportunity not just to do the Shaft. I mean, they only released the first two Shaft movies in Andre Cartoon. The first being 4K, the second not being. But they ignored Shaft from Africa because they probably don't like the title. But they, they could have. They could have done a whole Shaft box set and, like, unearthed the film elements for those Shaft movies. Are, are you saying we got the shaft by <laughs> not getting the shaft? We yes, got the we wrong got... shaft, Brett. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ghost to Africa is, it might be my favorite. I know it's my wife's favorite since it was kind of filmed where she's from. But <laughs> well, I'm sure the Christian people don't like the title anymore. But like, you know, dude, get over it. Get over it. It's, you know, that's the title movie that was made 50 years ago. And, you know, if you don't like Richard Roundtree, you're, you're the bad guy, obviously. I mean, it's like a, it's a pseudo Django Unchained. It, it's it's shaft freeing slaves in, in Africa. Well, yeah, the, it, well, it obeys the, the rule of the third where you got to go somewhere different. Yeah. I mean, the slave trade is being run by these, like this French organization, I think, if I recall. But anywho. Those fucking Frenchies. <laughs> These French and uh, businessmen, or whatever, they're all um, racist. Just ask <laughs> Detective Boyle, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Popeye, Popeye, Popeye Doyle. Doyle. Yeah, it's the one racist thing he says in the whole movie, and they cut it out. Inspector <laughs> <laughs> Phantom of the Mall. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I started about a half hour ago saying we got this clip coming up. <laughs> yeah, clip. I don't know. The last thing I think we we talked about was the ear and the yogurt. Yeah, did we play a clip? It was part of the it was part of the setup. That's what I was going to play. But yes, it's uh, right after that. After there's the the ear and the yogurt gag, uh, Bob Estes introduces himself to uh, the heroine. Hello. Hi. I know this sounds corny, but you look familiar to me. You look familiar too. That fire last year. I'm the one that took your picture when they brought you in. You have a good memory. But that fire happened around here somewhere, didn't it? Yeah, you're standing on it. You know, you were pretty hysterical that night. I remember you kept saying you saw some guy. Yeah, I saw him. And you said he had a medal in his ear? Yeah, some kind of religious symbol. I don't know about you, but that sounds suspicious to me. Yeah. Well, no one ever believed me. No investigation, nothing. Eric was murdered and nobody cared. Wait. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to press you. It's my reporter's instincts getting out of hand again. I'm Peter. Peter Baldwin. I'm Melody Austin. It's nice to meet you, Melody Austin. It's nice to meet you. I am sorry about your boyfriend. Thanks. I guess I'm just not over it yet, that's all. She opens up her uh, locker and it's revealed there's flowers there. It's a, her favorite flowers. Orchids. Yeah. I like how he pretends like, Where'd I know you from somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't uh, weren't you at that house fire a year ago? Yeah, that's it. Like, like that happened so frequently that he, he mixes up all the different people at the house fires. So many. I took your picture afterward at the <laughs> hospital. The dialogue is so clunky. He's like, so 
he saw a man with metal in his ear like he can't they don't <laughs> they don't know the word earring or something yeah it's the sometimes get the thought that maybe english wasn't the language of the writers but you know they're both american like <laughs> yeah and um so i don't know about you but that sounds suspicious to me <laughs> the some kind of religious she guy, symbol she saw a guy yeah a religious symbol you mean a cross <laughs> who's like a I like well later we'll see uh he shows up as a security guard wearing the same earring, but it's just like a big round metal earring that hangs down from the ear. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't I didn't really see what was on it, but uh I think it was a cross. Was it? Yeah. It was like a cross on a, a crucifix round yeah. metal. And, and, uh, my reporter's instinct. What's that, Zolly? I'm getting a drink really quickly. Okay. Not an alcoholic drink. I also uh, wanted to point out that so she says Eric was murdered and nobody cared. And then when she sees Eric, she goes, I always knew you were alive. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what? No, you didn't. (laughs) Not even, not even, not even a little bit. I like how when she opens the locker and the orchids are there, she just like drifts off into, you know, dreaming about her last night with Eric. <laughs> yeah. And like, he doesn't seem like he's very special at all. Like, he's just some high school jock that she happened to be dating at the time. Back when a gymnast was a jock and like a cool guy. <laughs> Not established that he's a gymnast. Which is, okay, so... We talked about how it was post Jamkata, you know. Well, I mean, I, I can see where the early 80s, the Olympics were, you know, they were a big deal. 82. Uh, was 82 in LA? Maybe. Well, well so well, it had to be 80, 80 was Lake Placid. It had to be 80 or 84. Well, Lake Placid was a winter Olympics because it's hockey. Well, they were the the summer and the winter Olympics used to be the same year, and then sometime oh, that's in the, right. the, the 80s or early 90s, they, they all started alternating. That's right. I year. forgot about that. That's a good point. Maybe it was 84. That was in L.A. But anyways, uh, I forget the guy's name from Jim Cotta. He didn't win gold at the Olympics, but he won like, uh, like the World Championships or something. And he was favored to win gold at the Olympics, but he didn't. But um, I know that was popular for a while, and then the Never Too Young to Die kind of followed that trend. But it was surprising to me that gymnastics was still that popular in the late 80s. That Like, we got to have the main character or the, the <laughs> phantom be a gymnast and a martial arts expert. <laughs> was, uh, Kurt Thomas was the gymnast. From Jimkata. Okay. Well, he was the real deal. He but I don't the, know, like... Was he like the the top male gymnast from the states? Because I yeah. can't imagine like is he he was favored to win gold, but he did. But he is he had before they did the movie, he had won like the world championships or something. You know, they always have those world tournaments. Oh, here it's outside says, of the Olympics. Yeah, it says he missed the Olympics because they boycotted the nineteen eighty Summer Olympics in Moscow. That's right, but didn't he, he won after that like uh, a championship like eighty one or eighty two? maybe that's hard to tell he was an analyst at the 84 olympics so he'd already aged out i guess (laughs) they won a gold medal at the 78 world championships yeah 
Okay, so 78, that's what it was. And the uh, 79 World Championships, looks like. But yeah, Zali, we were just talking about how it was kind of weird that, you know, I didn't, I didn't think Olympics were still that popular in 89. That it had Gym- waned. So yeah, much. gymnastics uh, in particular, especially for guys. After a while, it died down. Yeah, did I see Olympics? Yeah, I meant gymnastics. Yeah, she gets a job at Sleuth's Bar and Grill, which is apparently a big deal. She's already trying to not get the job as she's interviewing. Like, you know, if you need somebody more qualified, because that's what you need for a waitress. You need somebody who's really qualified. She's also the only one interviewing for that (laughs) job because everybody else is trying to get a job at the, what's the clothing store called? Oh, shit. I don't remember, but there's like a real fashionable clothing store that all the girls are like. Isn't it like something Castle? Probably. I I don't remember what it was. But some of those, I mean, I uh, I mean, obviously, there's some of the stores there were very common for any mall. You know, they had the Sam Goodies and things like that. Um, But uh, there, there are certain stores that I'm not sure if they were like a regional thing. I recognize some of them from other movies, like maybe uh, Fast Times or A Valley Girl. It's probably, it, yeah, it could be. Well, there's there's only a few movie malls. I'm on record as saying that, I mean, I love the Mall of America here. Oh, bless. It's been a part of some iconic uh, scenes in cinema, but the definitive movie mall is the Sherman Oaks Galleria, yeah. which is no more, but it's gone. It's gone. Sad. The Commando Chopping Mall, which I I didn't, I thought Chopping Mall was very meh when I saw it, but I, I'd like to give it another chance. Also, Zali, you talk about Interspace's film there? Yep, I think so. Okay. Sure. I'd have to check that out. Um, Terminator 2. So you, got, yeah. you know, Arnold's very familiar with the Galleria, but Terminator 2 is, there isn't that much in the mall proper. It's kind of in the the service the, hallways and the bowels mm-hmm. wonder woman 84 uh tried to emulate the uh galleria well you know we talked about in our summer where we did a bunch of arnold movies where he's at the galleria three times if you count total recall yeah <laughs> it's just galleria of <laughs> the future because he's the third floor galleria <laughs> but um yeah uh but you got to swing from some kind of banner or something hanging from the rafters if you're going to go to the gallery. Yep. We yeah, did Arnold, that at the end here. Yeah, Arnold did it. And uh, of course, Arnold also body slammed a phone booth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> we don't have to go through this film scene by scene because it is not Shakespeare, despite what they say. I mean, it's not even like good. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's it's not good, but I I find it very entertaining for some reason. And like I said, like I don't even like the late '80s aesthetic. I'm not a fan of, but for some reason in this movie, I kind of like it. I don't know why. I can't explain why. I mean, there are some interesting kills. Like they send a like a HVAC repair guy to go see what the why the vents are making noises. <laughs> It gets fed into a fan. Yep. You just have a giant fan in there. And then uh, <laughs> that pervert security guard who's watching. For some reason, the uh, the changing rooms don't have any doors or curtains or anything. And uh, all the girls are just out walking around with their tits out. 
as as you would do in the in the eighties at the mall. And they have security cameras just all over the place. Lots of coverage in the changing room area. Let's uh let's play that clip. I think I recognize you. I do, both of you. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't leave it on the floor. You've got to bend over and take it. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, now look at these. They just look right up at you. Oh, yes, my dear. <laughs> All right, here's a new one. Oh, yeah. Come on. Take it off. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Now the bra. Yes. And the... Oh, don't do that. Oh, man. I thought we were going to have a show here. Hey, shut that damn thing off. Posner's coming in on five. There's some kind of strange knocking in the G-section ventilation ducts. Check it out. Right, Chief. Yeah, so he's got to go check it out. This guy's got no shame. He's just commentating with a, with his partner right next to him. He was the funniest character in the film. That's my my main gripe with this film is that they kill him off way too early. They needed to keep him around. String him along, yeah. Make him yeah. the uh, red herring. <laughs> yeah. Because they kill plenty of guards. There's Okay, there's the guard that you know gets treated by the fan. This pervert guy is the one who gets electrocuted because his eye... His eyes pop out, and one of them falls into the frozen yogurt mix. <laughs> right. Well, he gets hit with a forklift into the high voltage. Yep. But yeah, mall culture, something that I love. It's something that's slowly dying, but at least we have Mall of America where they're still expanding. You know, they're, I think they're finally going to get approval for that big uh, water park. Yes. Which will be the largest indoor water park in the at least the country, if not the world. Now, um, of course, the Dells, Wisconsin Dells. Now they have the most indoor water parks in the world. It's and the water park capital of America. It is. So you know they're gonna. I mean, they have a square footage that would rival anything that we could build. I'm sure. <laughs> when when you think of uh, outdoor summer fun, you think of Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, it's central Wisconsin. But, you know, the Wisconsin needs something, so we'll, we'll give them that. But uh, there's going to be a pretty big indoor uh, water park here, a big wave pool and one or two slides. We don't, have, we don't have slides that rival, you know, the Dells or anything, but it should be pretty fun. Bring some more people to the mall. They just need to make it safe again to go in that mall. <laughs> Luckily, there hasn't been a shooting in at least half a year, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're that uh, that kid that got thrown off the third floor. Yeah. Luckily, he survived, and I, I think he's doing well, right? Sure. I think I think last time. I mean, I'm sure that it's traumatic and it's gonna scar him for life. But it's been a while. It's probably been at least five years, right? I bet he's he's never he's never gonna be normal. Yeah. Right. I just meant like physically, because I think there was. You know, problems at first with maybe brain bleeding and things like that. Physically fucked too. What's that? He's probably physically fucked too. Well, hopefully he. Uh, oh, I haven't yeah. heard much recently, but uh, yeah, hopefully he uh, made a full recovery in that regard. But um, yeah, I you know I still like to 
go to the mall outsiders or tourists or you know they kind of walk around like i know where i'm going right away i just kind of speed walk through everything and just kind straight, of straight to the moa gift shop <laughs> <laughs> get the oh. moa merch yeah and right next, been, no then i go I've to the, been to the mall of america then i go to the isle of minnesota gift shop you know <laughs> then you head to the rotunda for a break i used to love going to the best buy there because it was like the biggest mainstream selection of you know, movies you could buy, but you know, they got rid of that because you know, it's on the third floor and people are like, how would I get it, get my fridge out of here? Like, well, you can go pick it up downstairs. And it was too yeah. much of a hassle for people. I guess they tried to go to what's the department store that left. It's vacant now. I forget. Sears. Sears. Yeah. They wanted to rent out, you know, just one floor of the Sears. I think the, the first floor and they're like, no, you have to rent all three. And so, they said, all right, I'm out. I will contend that there was a uh, Mall of America premium on a lot of the Best Buy merchandise there. When I, At least when it first kind of opened up and you'd go there uh, for uh, movies or CDs, it was always like 2 or $3 more than if you go to the, the store down a you know, mm. couple miles away. Tragic Hot Coast. I like the Best Buy in the Mall. It was a good replacement for the fact that Suncoast is gone. And they had yeah. stuff. Best Buy didn't normally. But then yeah. when they had normal prices, then yeah, they closed. Imagine that. Right. <laughs> well, that mall used to have two Sam Goodies. Yeah, and and the, and the Sun Coast. Two Sam Goodies, the Sun Coast. I think they had an FYE for a bit, too. And a, and a MIDI. Yeah, they became an FYE. The one Sam Goodie became an FYE. Yeah, and that's the, right. That was, right. I remember yeah. the FYE there. Um, yeah, Suncoast was my favorite place in any mall. Gone forever. A terrible tragedy. Uh, that's why I like to watch uh, Take Me Home Tonight, which is a pretty average movie, but yeah, you know, there's a couple of scenes in Suncoast, but and it's got 80s music and nostalgia for me to enjoy. But mostly I, I just watch it for the Suncoast. Relive my memories of a young lad. You know, I, you know, I came from the boonies, which you couldn't really get movies. I mean, you could, but the selection was very minimal. It was what was at Walmart or uh, yeah. there was a similar a kind of store before Walmart. Before we even had Walmart, there was like another store kind of like it that you could get some movies from. Now, we had a couple of rental stores for my small town of Montevideo. The best one was Montevideo Land. It's, of course, where you go to rent videos. But um, yeah, like... I would branch out. We'd go to like a neighboring town that had a mall, or you know, when we'd go to the cities, to the plethora of malls that they provided, most of them had Suncoast. Yeah, there's in every mall in the Twin Cities. Yeah, I think so. And that was about the age where I could maybe go to stores by myself, you know. So I'd be like, "All right, mom, I'm going to Suncoast. Be in there for an hour, two hours." So I probably couldn't buy all that much, but to buy one or two things, and I was gonna look through damn near everything to, f to find the perfect buy, because I won't see Suncoast for another three months probably. Yeah, I had that mindset too back then. What's that? I had that mindset too back then. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a way of treat. But in the uh, mid mid two thousand tens, we all went to hell. I was never a fan of Sam Goody. They were always overpriced. Yeah. I mean, Suncoast was overpriced too. 
But since they focused on film, I, I would kind of allow it. Like, well, they got a lot of rare stuff, so. They were. I mean, the, the there was a weird, the, the big CM Goody in the mall had what amounted to a sun post inside it also that people really talk about. The video section in the mall of America, the 90s mall of America, was the same size as the Sun Coast in the Sun Coast. Right. Yeah. Circuit City was never in the Mall of America, was it? Tiny, yeah. Tiny one. Really? Okay. S yeah. Much smaller than like the Best Buy? Way smaller. Way smaller. It was just a tiny little store. Tiny store. Because I remember Circuit City, like the proper Circuit Cities back in the day, they had a decent selection too. Don't have any fond memories in Circuit City, like in the mall. No. I'd go to Circuit City sometimes because they'd have like extra, like uh, some of the new releases, they'd have extra stuff they would give away with it, like a t-shirt or something. Mm. Uh what's next in the film so we got past the pervert he meets his demise so eric's just Wait. running around the mall killing people and he's dropping bodies onto posner's desk yeah he literally falls through the ceiling <laughs> he's doing more of the breather type shit you know in the in the vents this is but, after mayor karen tells harv that there's some talk about backing him for city council he plays <laughs> his cards right and then uh, uh, the pervert security guard falls through the ceiling <laughs> right after. Oh, uh, yeah, the next, uh, I think, is uh, Melody almost gets raped in the parking lot. Yeah, um, that was <laughs> very out of left field. I mean, I guess it serves the purpose that Eric's protecting her. But you find out that the, the pervert is the guy playing the piano in the mall. <laughs> and then he dies because... from a, a snake that's comes up from the toilet and bites his dick. <laughs> well, yeah, in the in the parking lot it gets shot with a crossbow from like 100,000 <laughs> miles away. And then uh the next day he's playing piano and he's he's like, "Excuse me, I have to go to the restroom." And he goes in there and he's just bleeding out. <laughs> he takes his jacket off, he's just bleeding out. And uh yeah, Eric feeds a snake. It's a cobra. He gets a cobra. I don't know where he got a cobra well, he from. Gets a cobra. Where did you get the cobra from? Is there a pet shop in the in the mall? Why are they selling cobras? Oh come on, why not? Very venomous. It's the late eighties, Brett. Anything goes. Very venomous. This is post Black Monday. He sh he shows he shoves it into a pipe, and somehow it ends up in the exact same toilet that the piano player is sitting on. <laughs> yeah, toilet. And that's uh yeah, that's how he goes. Um, in between there, there's a flashback of uh, Melody and Eric having sex. Which is uh, a very disappointing scene because you get to see the nudity, but it's not Melody's. It's a body double. <laughs> very clearly pointed out because they never show the breasts and her face in the same shot. It's always just zoomed mm -hmm. in on the breasts and just cut right, right below her face. Um, and I thought that was really odd. I was like, well, this is a Playboy Playmate. This isn't like someone who's against nudity, but from what I gather, uh, I mean, the, enough. in the documentary, they talk about, you know, like, well, we got this Playboy Playmate and we're thinking, God, we need, we need something more. We need to put a sex scene in this. So they kind of filmed it right at the end. And that's of course, after all the contracts and things like that. So I'm guessing Melody was like, well, 
I'm playmate of the month, you know, last year. You know, you got to give me some extra money. And they're like, probably no, or at least not as, not as much as the, uh, or more, a lot more than the body double asked for, I'm guessing. Well, that's, that's like the, uh, speaking of trauma, that's, uh, the documentary of the, the making of, um, Citizen Toxie. Lloyd Kaufman, he goes, you got to get the, the nude and sex scenes out, out of the way up front. You shoot those first, because <laughs> if they refuse, you can replace and you don't have to reshoot anything. Yep. And you don't have to, you know, they can't hold you hostage for more money because, you know, the whole movie's in the can. Uncle Lloyd is a brilliant man. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows about pinching pennies, it's Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> See, I'm guessing it was a dollars and cents deal but um yeah i mean i'm also i guess i'm surprised they just didn't put that in the contract right away like well this is an 80s horror movie for a teen audience we need to put nudity in it we got a playboy playmate it seems like it's like how did this how did this escape them when they're planning this yeah we gotta assume that i mean we gotta assume that friedman has priorities right but you never know you never know they could have been so weird with what they wanted, but who knows? Or maybe that was part of the, the budget cuts when it went from you know over four million to two million. It's like, well, we can't afford her anymore. Let's get a body double. Good well, man. body doubles for that sort of thing are very common. What's that? Body doubles for that sort of thing are very common though. I mean, even when they don't need to be. Sometimes it's done because you want to have the illusion of a perfect person. Yeah, but I mean, what's more perfect than a playmate? Wait, Playboy she, Playmate. She could have not suited the director's version of <laughs> what he wanted that midriff for. You never, you never know. Yeah. Maybe she was off her diet during filming or something. Could be anything. You know, we never know. But like probably because yeah, Orca's padding. Maybe they didn't have enough nudity when they were finished with the movie and like, oh shit, oh shit, we need to add some. Well, if we want to talk about bodies, let's talk about uh, the Phantom working the heavy bag. Yeah, back in his lair. There's like three or four scenes of the Phantom working out. <laughs> there's like there's like one where he's he's working the heavy bag, and then there's another one where he's curling ten pound dumb, uh, a ten pound dumbbell, and then uh, there's one where he finally gets Melody back to his lair and he's doing pull downs on the machine with one plate. <laughs> Well, it's like a, a weight that's tied to the top plate or whatever. The, the plate that's not even really a plate, it's like the five pound thing. So I think he <laughs> yeah. tied like a 20 pound uh, weight on no, that. But he didn't. No, it was just the plate. It was just well, because it was plate. circular. You could tell it was on top. It's like, well, that's not part of the machine. Well, that's just how it connects. Mm. Either either way, it was it was like 30 <laughs> pounds total max. It was, like, <laughs> it was 10 max, not, not even. It's probably yeah, like eight. He's breezing through that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yet he's super strong. But oh, I also, I, uh, oh, I don't know. You know, I was going to bring up uh, the videotape. Of... <laughs> yes, that's where I was going next. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he ba- Merrick basically makes his own music videos because <laughs> he has somebody that just apparently Melody doesn't reckon uh, realize that there's someone just following her around the mall with a camera because a lot of these shots are. Literally, uh, tracking shots through the hallways of the mall. But they're not security camera. No, there's no the, the, no steady cam is used. It's you can see you can feel the movements in the camera. 
I was thinking it was like security video, but some of them are. You're probably right. Some of them are from a higher vantage point as to give the illusion of the security cameras, but some of them are just from the literally from the middle. The the perspective is from the middle of the hallway, and it's following her at her level. It's not from above, and you could see you could see the 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 movements left right. And then he, he plays a, their song, which is a power ballad. <laughs> that is played quite often. And he's, is. Like, he's like literally crying over it. It's like, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, meatloaf is too expensive at the time, so I was like, we got... <laughs> it's a terrible scene. <laughs> it's another example of uh, the Phantom is just like a... Like, the worst part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, none of the, well, the movie doesn't really fit together really that well. And yeah, it is just disjointed. With yeah, with like the scene, the the, the the piano man, it's so random, and the snake. <laughs> Combine the snake with the uh, the piano man, and you're like, where what? did he get a snake? <laughs> and then apparently he just keeps it as a pet because it hangs out outside of his lair constantly. Uh, Bob Estes says runs into it like two or three times. Melody sees it, <laughs> but um, yeah, he finally his posner is like, okay, you got to get rid of these kids, basically. And so Max's dad from Always Sunny is tasked with shutting up uh, Melody and uh, the journalist. And uh, there's a couple of there's a chase scene in the the parking garage and the parking lot which i I like uh one thing i did like or i mean one of the things i I like about this film are the stunts there's this where he chases him around the mall first right and then yeah peter gets in an elevator and uh (laughs) volker is the character's name he jumps on the top of the elevator and rides Uh it down (laughs) and he even like you know is upside down looking through the window (laughs) just kind of it's pretty crazy but um, he's got no chill at all like yeah. he's just like he doesn't care who knows what he does why he's there like the, the earring all the stunts like everything's on on camera you know they don't use the the camera is not used to drive the action it is like they have right. a stationary camera set up for everything and like the with Eric jumps on top of the car as it's going through the, the parking lot. Like you just, the camera's just sitting there and you see the stuntman just run and like kind of jump land on top of the car. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, you put, they put most of the budget in the, uh, the stunts. Like some cars explode. They blow up the mall. So it's pretty <laughs> obviously a miniature, but I like the stunts. And then like, you know, throwing Morgan Fairchild out, out the window and Eric falling and, you know, like as you pointed out, the 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 banner, the banner fall. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in it, but God, it's a dumb movie. Zolly, uh... well, I mean, I've said my piece. I've said everything that needs to be. I mean, the the major effort was making sure that it came out. You know. Well, what do you what what would you say you like most about it? Well, I mean, I like kind of all modern renditions of Phantom of the Opera. Just a little bit. 
Um, I don't really like it. I mean, I I, I like it, but I, I know it sucks. It's like a terrible movie. <laughs> um, but it deserves to be seen. Well, you sounded pretty excited when I, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but when I mentioned it. Well, I mean, you know, in a world where everyone can see it, what I know about it is sort of in, insignificant. But um. Oh come on now. You've watched all three versions. I didn't even realize there was a third version. Well, I mean, the third version is the TV version. Okay. So you're saying there's the TV, the theatrical, then like an extended? The the TV version that's on the Arrow version is an extended TV version, yeah. Okay. It is an amalgamation of both for the longest possible thing. Which I think is the same as the YouTube uh, video of it. Okay. Well, because like a cut I saw on YouTube was like 80, 82 minutes or something. I guess the one I watched is like 91. Yeah, that's a theatrical. I think. Yeah, I wonder if I've, maybe I've never, I mean, I've seen the deleted scenes. I just haven't seen it put into the film. So. Yeah, they slow the movie down. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be in the movie, but they are. They're in the movie. I thought a lot of the deleted scenes are pretty forgettable. Where do we get to next? We can start to wrap it up. Well, they dig up Eric's grave yep. to, to prove that he's... So he does have a grave. I don't know what they... Uh, they buried an empty casket. So I don't know what kind of funeral they had with <laughs> no body. I guess they assumed he just burned all the way up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess don't think about where he's been for the last year. <laughs> Too hard. Um... I have a note written down. I forget, I forget where it was. It says my my note says Max Dad kicks a baby. Yeah, I think that's during the chase scene uh, in the mall on the on foot. I think he does kick a baby out of the way, like a a, a carriage, like a, a stroller, a cart, stroller. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but that goes to your point that he just doesn't give a fuck. Like who sees what he's doing, like. <laughs> Yeah, because after he flips the car, he, he goes and meets with Harv again, and Harv is like, take that fucking thing out of here. You might as well wear a sign that says, uh, you might as well wear a freaking sign that says, I did it. <laughs> and like, and then uh, Volker just like, like, fuck you, man. Like, I'll take care of this how I want. Like, he almost like threatens to kill him. His big uh, showdown with Eric was eventful. I like that special effect. Well, he knocks out he knocks out Melody first. Yeah, Volker does, and then uh, they they're fighting in the trash compactor, which isn't actually compacting. Right, it's just it's, a gate that comes down a the door. door. Yeah, the door is coming down, and Eric with his, uh, you know, his strength. He, he he's going for lean, not for mass, and. But, uh, well, I I thought it was, I thought it was so funny that Gregory Scott Cummins couldn't throw a punch or i mean he couldn't uh couldn't take a punch basically he couldn't he couldn't do the stunts because there's a very obvious stunt man that's taking the the blows from eric throughout most of the fight like the kicks and the punches like he couldn't feign well, a punch yeah. i guess eric is a karate <laughs> master yeah it's well established that he knows karate <laughs> but like there's some shots and i was like all he does is like punch him in the shot why do they have a stunt double <laughs> It's like you couldn't get Cummins to just kind of, you know, couldn't throw the punch, couldn't feign it. The door was so heavy that Eric, with his uh, incredible strength, 
could press it off his own chest, but uh, Volker couldn't. Ends up getting <laughs> decapitated. Yeah. yeah. I like the, the fun effects. Uh, the special effects were, were decent. Morgan Fairchild getting speared through the center was decent. I think that she lands on the award or something, right? Weren't they getting an award or some shit? Hoist on her own award. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I got that in my notes here. Because everyone were, everyone's wearing cummerbunds because they were still in, apparently. Well, it was the uh, investor's uh, banquet or whatever. It was July 4th because at the beginning, Eric circles it on his calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eric's planted a bomb in the beneath the mall. Yeah. He must have had some C4 explosive or like a Timothy McVeigh level of fertilizer or something. Because that's a big bomb if he's going to blow up the entire mall. <laughs> Nobody believes him. Nobody believes that there's a bomb. Or no, Buzz is the one telling their people there's a bomb and nobody believes him. Uh, this you know, this mall is very sinister. It even had the subliminal ads that are playing in the background of, of the songs. The They Live ads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as soon as they like move in, we leave. Okay, I promise. Okay, now the scoop. Ready? Watch this. Hey, shh, turn that stuff off. Look, it's only in here. The public address system's off. They can't hear us. Listen to what it does to your body. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's real nice, huh? Music is not exactly big news, Buzz. are my friends i can buy anything i want on credit shopping is fun i like to shop the sales clerks are my friends see it's subliminal it's under the music (laughs) i mean this is hot stuff huh deceptive yes illegal no too bad shopping makes me feel good spending money makes me feel good Shopping is hey, turn fun. that crap off. I like you don't like shop. this, do you? I mean, you're getting a little irritated here, huh? Okay, I'm sorry. I'll take I'd it. Like to spend money. Um, it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if this ever came to fruition, but I remember uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I remember hearing that soda companies were going to have their machines project an audio advertisement that you would only hear if you walked by it. It was like a a focused sound that would, I don't know, drink Mountain Dew or enjoy some, you know, refreshing Coca-Cola or something or other. And you'd only hear it if you walked by the machine for, you know, just that split second, basically. But I don't know if they ever... I don't remember that. I don't know if that ever happened. You ever hear anything about that, Zolly? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but I thought it was like a lower. It sounded like harp to me. Yeah. <laughs> That sounded like Jesse Ventura shit to you. Yeah, like, there's no way that's gonna happen. Yeah, I the mean, conspiracy, the conspiracy show doesn't exist. It never happened. I mean, I remember when when I heard that story, and I thought, well, that seems like a big waste of money. <laughs> just <laughs> somebody's just gonna hear it for like a split second if they're only, you know, a certain distance away and you know, right in front of the machine. I guess I don't know. Just didn't that, make any sense. 
if 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 anything's going to convince me to buy a soda, it's that. It's not <laughs> that I'm already at the machine because I'm thirsty. But I mean, we got to listen to what Jesse tells us. He's a, he's our governor. Get the marijuana law passed. Yeah, he was all happy about that. He doesn't even live here. He lives in fucking Mexico. Lives in the Baja. <laughs> <laughs> the natives love me. Will Sasso does a pretty decent Jesse. Um, yeah. Well, it is funny that Buzz and Susie go to look for uh, Melody and then like they just don't find her. And then on their way back, Eric and, uh, or actually Peter and Melody. Because as soon as Melody sees Eric's face, she's like, uh, I know I loved you before, but uh, I'm going to pass. <laughs> They're for you. She's been spending the whole movie like lusting after this guy, like uh, just pining for her old boyfriend. And then then as soon as she sees him, she gets super shallow. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to go with Peter. Eric, uh, don't. I love him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so so Peter and Melody escape or whatever. And then they grab Susie and Buzz on their way out. But Susie and Buzz go in the vent and they just are useless. They don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, Buzz is trying to get her the whole movie, and it just never... It's a waste. Nothing happens. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of the movie. Uh, So Eric throws Morgan Fairchild out a window, kills her. He uh, blows up Posner in the... I think it was like a sporting goods store, but there's propane everywhere. I guess for camping. camping Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have cooking while you're camping. So he blows that up. That was pretty cool. Really felt like a big explosion in the mall. Well, Eric lit himself on fire too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he did a swan dive. I wrote. <laughs> they got their money's worth out of that uh, that motorcycle with the the carrier or whatever the side by side thing. I like how in these old movies they're like, uh, you know, there's always that car in the mall you could win. Yeah, and for yep. some reason the keys are always in the ignition. <laughs> And the doors are unlocked. And so like anybody could just like drive off with it. <laughs> in this in this movie was a motorcycle as a sidecar. But uh yep. yeah. There are too many fun facts in IMDB, and we already gave you a bunch throughout the show, so we'll just skip that segment. Let's rate this thing. Uh Zolly. Uh, with our tiers, you know, we have the top is ASAP, then the soonish. Middle levels eventually, last resort, and finally never. 
I say it's a three out of five. Okay, so eventually? Eventually. Eventually. All right, Brett, what say you? I, I give it a last resort. Oh, okay. that's a last resort. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, you'd give it like a two and a half, I think, on Letterboxd. So it's a high last resort, but it's yeah. it's, a, it's a last resort. I, I did sure. give it two and a half. I think I gave it three and a half. It's probably generous. It's just more nostalgia. You know, it's right my, with all the 80s, that's right up my wheelhouse. So, but, you know, I don't dislike any 80s movie. But yeah, this one. Uh, uh, are you sure you, you don't dislike any 80s movie? You like them all? <laughs> I said I don't just like 80s movie, not dislike. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said I don't dislike any 80s movie <laughs> yeah. is, is what I heard. I know. I don't just like, you know, I was using proper grammar, right? Um, only not. Uh I don't know what you're I, I thought you were saying if it was made in the 80s that you like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying that uh I'm definitely uh predisposed to uh enjoy films from the 80s but i do not like every film from the 80s i don't like a film just because it's 80s although it helps there's plenty of 80s films i don't like however uh this one i do i would give it an eventually eventually yeah it's like zolly says it needs to be seen i have not seen all of the modern phantom renditions but I think this is a lot of fun, even though it's it's a misfire. I think it's uh, a good misfire. But the clunky dialogue, the fun special effects and stunts, um, the score, and then that uh, that song from the Vandals really puts a bow on it. But uh, yeah, uh, Zali, anything else you want to plug? No, I mean, that's it. I'm you know, just so glad that you know, finally pulled it out. Presentably. Yeah, got a, a proper release. It's a USA Up All Night classic. They treat film as they should, as the highest art form there is. Yes. And it needs to be preserved and discussed and dissected. But uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. Uh, Brett, where can people find some lovely merchandise and support the show? You can head on over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Of course, make sure you check out uh, the Zolly Becker show on YouTube and uh, follow him on Twitter at uh, Zolly Becker. Also, you can watch you stop in at uh, Cedar Cliff Collectibles. Buy something. Early and often. Um, I, I notice a lot of people ask on the YouTube videos, can I buy this stuff online? I know you guys do sell stuff online, but we have an eBay, but we prefer people buy shit in the store. Right. But is is everything in the store also available on eBay? No, 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 no. Okay. Just certain things. Just certain stuff. Okay. If somebody uh lived in another state but they wanted to really buy it, could you could they request that you put something on no, eBay we, and they buy we it? Them specially. We do it specially. Okay. It's rare, but uh, yeah, um, um, a lot of a lot of interesting titles you have there. I don't even know how you fit all that stuff in the store. It is bursting at the seams. Right. It's easy to me. 
I don't know how we do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I think that'll do it. Uh, you can also support the show by rating us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, like us, subscribe, do all that stuff. That'll more than anything that helps the show. But you can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or bread at positivelywolf1, which is also his letterbox profile. Mine is under Eric underscore Mulder. Uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. Thanks, guys. Yep, thank you. I'm out. All right. I'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking Chicky about? Chicky later. Chicky later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. Hey, girls, you want to pull my chain? <laughs>